Open your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, continuing our series uh, this morning, picking that back up on the subject of Bible doctrine. And we're going to look at uh, the teaching or the doctrine of repentance. I just wanted to say that the teaching or the doctrine of repentance, sometimes people in Christianity say, well, we don't have any doctrine. Yeah, you do. Everybody does. Everybody has doctrine. Because doctrine is simply teaching. That's what the word means. And um, if you say anything at all, you have teaching. You have doctrine. If you don't say anything, you still have teaching. You're saying nothing. So <laughs> you still have a teaching that says nothing. Uh, but anyhow, um, so anyhow, we're going to talk about the doctrine or the teaching of repentance. We'll start with our reading uh, in Matthew uh, 3 and verses 7 through 8. We'll read that. This is speaking in regards to those who had come to John the Baptist for baptism, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And uh, we pick up here in verse 7, But when he, John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And so very obviously, John is demanding that there is a change within them before they would ever enter the waters of baptism. Entering the waters of baptism is not what changes you, right? But anyhow, we're not really going to focus on that this morning, but what we are going to focus on is a subject of repentance and how that it is the product of the new birth. In other words, if you want to know if you've been born again, there needs to be, must be, repentance and so we're going to talk about that today father do be with us today in this lesson and i pray that it would uh, work in our hearts and father that it wouldn't just be a time of just teaching but it would be a powerful time of the holy spirit coming and taking the word of god and applying it to our hearts uh, father i pray for those this morning that are yet without repentance that have yet to repent of their sins and believe on the lord jesus christ that Lord, that that would be worked within them today and that you would draw them away from self, draw them away from sin, and turn them toward Jesus. Uh, Father, this is your work of your Spirit, and we pray for that today. It is not in and of ourselves to change ourselves, but we look to you, Lord, who is the only one that can transform us and make us new. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Uh, like we said in our last lesson that we dealt with Bible doctrine, we dealt with the subject of the new birth, and this is really a continuation of that. Uh, the product of the new birth is repentance and faith, and we're going to talk about faith, Lord willing, next time, uh, but today we're focusing on the subject of repentance. Listen, we don't repent and believe and get all right with God, and then we are born again. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit regenerating us that helps us, enables us to repent and to believe. The power to repent and believe is found in the power and work of the Holy Spirit that comes into our, our deadened uh, souls and quickens us, brings us unto life, from death unto life, enabling us by the power of the Spirit to repent and believe. So repentance begins inward as a work of the Holy Spirit and produces outward signs of fruit. And that's what John is looking for whenever uh, the Sadducees and Pharisees come. He's saying, I don't see any change in you guys at all on the outside. 
And so they hadn't changed at all. And so he says, you're not, why would I baptize you, basically, in a nutshell? You have not repented. You've not turned from the wrath of God. You've not changed. And so he did not want to baptize them. If we'd baptize anybody that had not been changed by the power of God, showed no evidence of that, we would be wrong, wouldn't we? So John required the fruits of repentance because it manifests that there's been a work of the Holy Spirit of God within them. When God changes us on the inside and we have that repentance inwardly, there is a change that will come on the outside. Now, I understand sometimes when you've been raised in church and you've kind of been in human terminology, we've been a pretty good person all of our life, we think, well, boy, how can I change outwardly? Listen, there's still always a change. I have seen it with people, even if it's just their attitude. Just their attitude. They're kind of still doing a lot of the same things. They might still be going to church and all those things, but now... Their attitude is they want to do those things before, whereas before they did not. There's always a change, always a change. In the theological world, some refer to a repentance that is called a legal repentance. Now, this is a repentance that comes about just simply, uh, in other words, you try to change a little bit outwardly just because of the, the consequences of sin. An example of this uh, might be Judas. You know, Judas obviously was not born again, didn't have the Spirit of God in him. Uh, I think he had a little bit of remorse there, a little bit for what he had done even. But he didn't respond the right way, did he? And he goes out and, of course, he hangs himself. Um, there have been many over the years who just fear of judgment or, or fear of hell have made professions of faith, but it had never really... Uh, experienced the new birth and had a genuine change of heart, genuine repentance. I, I was blessed to be able to teach Jared and, and Jody's class this morning and really just kind of gave my testimony and how that from a young boy I had made some professions of faith when I was 8 and when I was 12 years old. But I never had really experienced that, that change within. I didn't want to go to hell. Uh, who, what 8-year-old would want that? What 12-year-old would want that? But I'd, I'd wanted saved from the penalty of sin I wanted saved from hell, but I didn't want saved from sin. I didn't want saved from the sin in me. I didn't want to change. And there's a big difference because in repentance, you're not just wanting delivered from hell and turned from that. You're wanting to turn from your own sin. Your relationship to sin is different. It's changed. And so sometimes people think, well, they make a profession of faith or they shake the preacher's hand or they repeat a prayer or they get baptized or they join the church, all these things. Well, then maybe, you know, they'll go to heaven. Listen, none of those things are going to get you into heaven. None of those things are going to get you into heaven. Going through all of that is not going to get you to heaven. There's only one thing that gets you to heaven, and there's not a thing There's a person, the person of Jesus Christ. The repentance from sin, faith in Him, that is the only way. I hope the Lord will help us this morning as we focus on this subject of repentance, because without it, you are not saved. It is the sign of the new birth. Let's look at this and break this down a little bit. Three elements of repentance. The three elements of repentance. First of all, there is sin admitted, and sometimes we call that conviction. In the new birth, we come to just recognize, to acknowledge, and have an understanding that our sin offends a holy God. That's really simple, I understand that, but we come to that realization that our sin has offended God. We come to see that our sin, uh, God abhors it and abhors that condition. We come to see that we've been rebellion against God, that we're in enmity with God. And this recognition, that this cognitive recognition 
of sin is, is conviction, and, and it constitutes the, if you would, the intellectual element in repentance. In other words, it's in your mind. You are aware of it. You're conscious of it. Oh, I have sinned against a holy God. This type of, of conviction, I, I think we can kind of see in, in, the, in the person of Peter when he first comes in contact with Jesus, and he, he, he just falls before Jesus, and he says this, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And, and there is that sense of, of, of sin and conviction. We're like, oh, I cannot be in the presence of Jesus. Because you're aware intellectually in your mind of, of, of your sin before a holy God. Let me tell you what, the presence of Jesus changes everything. Changes our relationship to sin, how we see sin. As if we want repentance in our life, we want repentance in the church more. What we need more than anything is the presence of Jesus Christ. Because when He shows up, people has a tendency to change. But God works in our mind in repentance to give us the knowledge that we have offended a holy God. And so true repentance begins with a recognition that we have offended God and that we are sinners. It's so funny sometimes how that you can be told that over and over and over again, even from a child. Oh, I've sinned. I've sinned against God. You're a sinner. But then when God gets a hold of your heart, even maybe later in life, it's like, oh, oh, I'm a sinner against God. I mean, I was taught those things from a boy about sin and what is sin and how I was depraved without Christ, all of those things, and my sin was awful. But it wasn't until I was 20 years old where I finally come to see, oh, my God is holy, and I've sinned against Him. I was told that, but finally it came to me, that, that conviction, that awareness, that mental awareness of that reality. Uh, secondly, there is sin abhorred or contrition. There it becomes a godly sorrow and godly repentance. When one sees himself as he truly appears before God through Holy Spirit conviction, he's brought to regret his sin and to abhor it. Now this is more of what we might call the, the emotional element in repentance. There, there is the cognitive in, in the sense there is there's reality, the knowledge we've sinned against God, but there's also in genuine godly repentance there is a, a remorse, there is a sorrow, there's an emotional element of repentance. In other words, you don't just know that, that your sin offends God and is aware of that, but through godly repentance you come to hate sin yourself. In other words, not only do you see that a holy God hates it, but you personally hate it. You despise it. God gives you a hatred for your sin. There is a conviction. There is a guilt there. There's a remorse there. You hate that sin. In other words, you, you don't just want to escape the judgment of sin and hell because of a holy God and how He might judge you. You want to escape sin that is in you. And there's a big difference in that. I think everyone would say, well, I, don't, I want to escape the judgment of sin in hell, but do you want to escape sin? Do you want to turn from sin? Do you hate your sin? There's, a, there's not a sorrow over sin in some in, 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 our, in our day and, and how sin and the gospel is, is preached. Many are, are led at times to, to make that profession of faith so they don't go to hell. And I know I did that when I was young, but it wasn't the people's fault. That's just what I did. 
but some have never been made sorry for their sin and, and really mourned over it at all. I, I like what uh, A.W. Pink said. He said, The nature of Christ's salvation is woefully misrepresented by the present day evangelist. He announces a Savior from hell rather than a Savior from sin. And that is why so many are fatally deceived. For there are multitudes who wish to escape the lake of fire who have no desire to be, delivered, to be delivered from their carnality and worldliness. Wanting salvation, again, is more than wanting saved from hell. It's wanting saved from self, wanting saved from your sin and your life. You want to turn from that. You despise it, and you want to turn from that and turn to the Lord. So you need to ask yourself, is this you? Do you only want Christ to save you from hell, or do you want Christ to save you from your sin? There's a big difference in that. Do you want delivered from sin? Isaiah truly had sorrow over sin. When he had the Lord of glory revealed to him there in Isaiah chapter 6, and we find that he cries out, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. He had an awareness of his sin, and there was a woeness about him, a despising of that sin. And why? Because they got a glimpse of God's glory. Again, the presence of God. Next, sin abandoned. We speak of this as conversion. So there's sin admitted, conviction. There's sin abhorred, contrition. And sin abandoned, which results in conversion. As repentance works within us to show us that one, we have offended God. Now that sin also offends us. It works a change within which leads to an outward change of conduct. We don't change, right, to be saved. But listen, when God saves you, He changes you. Now, this aspect of repentance is what some call the volitional element of repentance. So repentance then concerns our whole inner nature, the intellect, the emotion, and our will, our desire. Now, we see the outward change in, in men like Paul who when, what, when he met with Jesus... <laughs> When he met with Jesus on the road to Damascus and the Lord gets a hold of him, he says, Lord, what will you have me to do? The outward manifestation of repentance looks like that. It changes our will, our desire to now do something different, to go a different direction. Conversion. A change of direction. Turn to Luke chapter 3 if you would. I've often wondered about this passage and... and where John is talking to the people, it's the further of the conversation of actually what we read in Matthew 3. But in Luke 3, and start with verse 7, it's a repeat of what we read earlier in Matthew. I want to read a little bit further down. But then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. He's saying, hey, when you're born again, you're saved, you're going to bear fruit. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? I said, okay, well, if this is the case, I mean, 
if we are going to bear the fruits of repentance, what does that look like in my life? You see, there's the, by them asking that question, they're saying, well, what do I need to change right now? What can I do? And you know, that, that's a good question. When you're first saved, one of the first things you should be asking is, what do I need to do now, preacher? Or what can I change about now in my life? And he answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to one who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Well, teacher, what do we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, a soldier asked him, well, what do we do? What are they asking? What are the fruits of repentance in our life? What would that look like right now? What's the immediate thing? And he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. I mean, what I found very interesting is, is, is that repentance in each one of these would look a little bit different at the beginning of their life. But there's one thing in common in all three of those. And I hope that you can see it. It is a turning from selfishness. A turning from self. Because the first one he says, if you have two tunics, let him give one. Right? So, so don't be selfish. The second uh, to the tax collectors, he said this. He says, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Don't be selfish and try to get more. The soldiers, be content with your wages. All of these had, had a core element there of a turning from self and a turning from selfishness. And it looks different for people when they're first saved. It depends on where you're at, your station, what you've been doing, how you've been sinning. But at the core of it, it is a turning from self and selfishness in your life. And that's what repentance is. It's a turning from yourself, your selfish desires. And showing that outwardly by expressions of following the Lord, just like they were ta taught here. So basically, stop being selfish. Repentance is that turning from self and a turning to the Lord. I like this quote by Chuck Swindoll. He said this. I call him Chuck. I've known him for a long time. Uh, Godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. The first one leads to life, but the later shoves us into a spiritual grave. Worldly sorrow only bemoans getting caught or weeps for what was lost. It never grieves for the wrong committed. Godly sorrow produces different results. When we experience godly sorrow, we are deeply grieved for the wrong we committed. We desire to ask forgiveness to repair the damage, to make reparation for the harm done, uh, not merely to protect ourselves from pain or regain what we didn't want to give up in a word we repent. So ask yourself that question, is, is there evidence of the new birth? Is there evidence of repentance in your life? They're asking, well, how do I know if I've been born again? Have you repented of your sins? I'm not talking about trying to nail down a date. Oh, yeah, I repented then. Listen, if you're born again by the Spirit of God 20 years ago, let me tell you what, that same Spirit is in you, and you still desire repentance today. You still have a mourning over sin when you commit it. You still hate the sin that is in you. Paul wasn't perfect, but he was a child of God who served the Lord as a great missionary. And he, in Romans chapter 7, just hated his sin, despised his sin that was still in him and cried out in that great passage in Romans chapter 7, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
That's a spirit of repentance that wants to be delivered not only from the fighting of sin currently in his own body, but to be delivered from it forever so they would never have to fight against it again. He hated sin. Do you hate sin? Do you hate the sin in you? And you want to turn from that each and every day. That's a sign of the new birth. True repentance is not just manifested by one who just simply wants forgiveness. I think a lot of people want forgiveness. And maybe you've had those kind of exchanges with people in your life. In other words, they wanted you to forgive them, but they didn't want to change. Right? Repentance wants to change. It doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect from here on out, but you have that desire, inward desire to change. Not perfect, but you have that desire to change and to pursue Christ and to turn from sin. And that's part of everyday life. It's not a one-time event that happened to you a long time ago. Because of the change wrought by the Holy Spirit of God within there is a change in our hearts and in our minds towards sin. In other words, you don't think about it the same way. We are sorry for our sin, and therefore we turn from it. And I think that whenever one is really truly sorry for their sin, they want to turn from it, even if they know they're not going to even be forgiven for it. That's true repentance. In other words, maybe you've had someone come to you, and you could tell they were genuinely sorry. And they come to you in such a spirit that said, Listen, I don't deserve your forgiveness. I'm not even asking for, for forgiveness. But I'm sorry. And, you, and I don't want to ever do that again. See, there's a difference. And somebody, somebody comes and says, will you forgive me? And then they never change. A lot of people want forgiveness, but they don't want to change. They don't want to turn. Have you truly repented of your sins? Do you repent of your sins? In other words, don't ask, don't look at that question, trying to look back, look at it now. Do you repent of your sins? Say, so, well, if you do, listen, that repentance, don't be proud of it. Because <laughs> it is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. And so we need to understand this because lest we say, boy, I've changed, I'm better. You don't have a spirit of, of self-righteousness about us because, boy, we don't do what we used to do or we don't do what they do uh you know like like the like the pharisee who went up to pray and and started thanking god you know like well he he sure was glad he wasn't like everybody else he's not he's not a fornicator he's not a, he's not uh one who who uh is like this publican that's, that's that's next to him well he's a pretty good guy fast a couple times in the week no we need a proper perspective that if we are saved and we've repented of our sins, it is the power of God, as we said in the beginning, that has enabled us to do this. This removes all sense of pride and self-glory for the change that we have experienced. And Acts 5.31 says, Him God has exalted to His right hand to be Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Repentance is given you know why? Because in our own nature, we will not do it. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 18, when they heard these sayings, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. God granted that. 
In 2 Timothy chapter 2, the passage in red, as you, as you notice, are the ones we turn into. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, I, I like this one passage for a, a couple reasons. One, one, it shows that repentance is something that is given by God, but God also at the same time works through us and are telling the gospel uh, to bring others to repentance. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, he says this. It says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And, and folks, I know sometimes we want people to change real bad, don't we? we? We see their life, we see the direction they're going, we know they need Jesus, we know they need to change, and sometimes you just think, well, if I just shake them hard enough or scream loud enough, well, maybe this will just get them to pay attention. And there does need to be a sense of urgency about repentance and how we, how we preach it and how we teach it. But it's, it's not a magic formula that, that, that we can somehow recite and, and give to people and, and, boy, they're going to respond the right way every time and, and boy, then they'll repent and then they'll get right with God. We must give the message, but the gift of repentance is found in the hands of the Lord. So that has us giving the message as we ought to give it as taught in the Scriptures here uh, to teach others and in humility and, and, and such, but we got to rely upon God to do the work within them. Folks, we need repentance to sweep across our, our, our church and across our community and across our country, a turning from sin and a turning towards God. And we tell men, all men, everywhere to repent as God commands all men everywhere to repent, but at the same time making our plea to God and saying, God, grant us repentance. Grant our community, grant our country a spirit of repentance, a turning from you, or a turning from sin, and a turning toward you. You know, God works through many people sometimes to, to, to bring about this repentance as He's working in our hearts, and, and I pray that God would use us to, to lead others into repentance. But as said, repentance is not just a gift we receive one time from God, but it is truly the gift that keeps on forgiving. Repentance of sin becomes a way of life for us. We never see the Savior the same. We never see Jesus the same. We never see ourselves the same. And we never see sin the same. Our whole perspective of sin and the Savior and self is all changed forever and ever and ever. And honestly, the longer I'm saved, the more I get to know Christ, the closer I get to Him. Listen, the more sometimes I see of my sin still today. Listen, if you're having a hard time seeing your sin, let me tell you what, you're not close to Jesus. Even as a child of God for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, if you, if you say, well, I don't know if I have it, I don't, that sinless perfection thing, maybe I'm not that far from it, you know? If you're thinking like that and you're struggling when I say, what, what sin do you struggle with or, or what... What sin are maybe you guilty of? Or, or anything like that in your mind or whatever. You're saying, I don't know. Let me tell you, you're not close to the Lord. Let me tell you, to, be in, to walk with Jesus Christ, you have even more awareness of your sin. No, you may not be outwardly doing gross immorality, but because of, of that 
man within you, that old Adamic nature of Adam that is still there that we fight against, when you get close to Jesus and walk in the Spirit, you are more aware of how vile that old man is. No, you shouldn't be guilty of actively participating, but you are aware of that sinful nature still, and even more so as you get close to the Lord. So I know I need more repentance in my life. Well, what we need is more of Jesus in our life because Jesus always brings us to repentance. We see everything differently. But if the Lord has worked within you that gift of repentance, He is continuing that work each and every day. Paul told the people of Philippi that he was confident that he which had begun a good work in them would perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I think it's important to realize that because when God saved me as I enabled me to repent of my sins you know, many years ago, that's different. That's still going on today. And a lot of people are just looking back to one time when they changed a little bit. Well, I know I'm saved. And yet today they show no evidence of repentance in their life. This good work of repentance that God works in us is still being worked through us the power of the, of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we are still sinners, so repentance is and shall always be a part of our life until we get rid of this old nature. We have not arrived unto sinlessness, and to think so is to deceive ourselves. I know I've given a few quotes this morning, but I really like uh, this longer quote by Jay Hampton I'll read in just a, a moment. But I, I realized, once again, after reading this, that repentance that is given to us by God it, it's not a one-time thing. It's a way of life. It's a way of life today because it was worked in us at one point in time and continues from the day of conversion. In other words, again, don't look back to find out if you repented. If the Holy Spirit worked that repentance, it's part of who you are today. I really like this quote. Genuine repentance will make itself evident by its deeds and attitudes. The repentant person will, one, Freely acknowledge his sin. Two, cease the activity for which he was disciplined, or at least seek help if it's in case of life-dominating patterns. Three, make restitution and or ask for forgiveness from those hurt as it is applicable. I like that. I think about O Zacchaeus, you know, when the Lord got a hold of him. He's, and, and the ones we already read about, you know, to try to make restitution. Zacchaeus said, I'll restore what, he said, fourfold or sevenfold. I can't remember. He just wanted to make restitution, wanted to make things right when he got right. Four, he or she will demonstrate a genuine change of heart, a real concern and godly sorrow over actions, not in order to be forgiven, but because of the harm caused to the glory of God and the hurt caused others. And five, he or she will begin to manifest the fruit of the Spirit and a concern for the things of Christ. I like that. Does this describe us? Ask yourself this morning, is there evidence of the new birth? Is there evidence of the new birth? Do you have an inward desire for righteousness? Because with the spirit of repentance and a, and a hatred for sin, there's also, there's a implanted within us a desire not just to quit sinning, but a desire for righteousness. And that is what 
some people don't get or understand because sometimes there is a desire to quit doing bad things. They, a lot of people genuinely desire to quit doing bad things. You know, a, a person might be doing something bad and they say, boy, I need to quit this. It's hurting me or it's hurting my family, hurting my work, hurting my job, hurting the people around you. You know, I want to quit doing these things. I want to turn from these things. I don't want to do this anymore. And that's good. People should stop doing bad things. Our world would be a lot better off if everybody did that, right? But that doesn't mean you're saved. It's a turning from sin and a turning toward God and His righteousness. Not only in repentance is there genuine repentance, godly repentance, is there a hatred for sin, a turning from it, but there's a turning toward Jesus Christ who is our righteousness. Repentance isn't just turning from sin, but it's also a turning toward Christ. And there's a big difference in that. A lot of people, and I've said this a few weeks ago, but a lot of people quit doing bad things or they go to support groups and helps and, and they, they quit doing bad things. It's hurting them and their family and their life. And that's good they quit doing bad things, but that doesn't mean that they have repented of their sins and turned toward Jesus Christ for salvation. Have you done that? Has that been worked in you? Have you truly repented? Been made sorrow? And every day, every day as a child of God, you just want to turn from sin and turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Every day, every day you want to get up, Lord, help me put off the old man and to put on the new. And you get up the next morning, you find out you got to do it all over again. But that's repentance. When you're waking up in the morning and saying, Lord, help me to put off the old and to put on the new. Help me to put off the old put on the new that's repentance is that does that describe you do you have that desire to put off the old man and to put on the new which is made in the image of christ have you repented of your sins if not i beg and plead to god to grant you that repentance that you'll be made right with god god commands all men everywhere today to repent and to believe upon him let's pray father in heaven i ask that you would work through this message and Lord, I pray for those that have never been brought to repentance. I pray for the Holy Spirit to work mightily in our presence today. Lord, repentance is a gift. And we beseech you, O God, our Father, for that great gift today. While many might want the things of this world and the things this world may give, Father, the greatest gift we pray to you for now as a people of God with one voice and one desire, we pray for repentance to come to this place and for each person here, that they would turn from sin and turn to Christ and behold the Lamb of God that takes away that sin. Grant them that repentance and faith in Christ as only you can. We implore you, we beseech you, and we beg of you, grant repentance to all here today. Of our own we cannot, and of our own we would not, but we ask that you would do it for us and draw us into yourself by your magnificent power and make us new creatures in Christ and help us to serve you all the days of our life and to make your glory known until you come back for us. In Jesus' name we pray and amen.